Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> you know what that means? Praise the Lord. In fact, it's praise ye the Lord. Like the song. Um, some of you kids have probably learned the, the kids. I'm looking at Marissa and Marin and a few others. Uh, we're here whenever I, I taught you guys a song, and you older ones will probably know it too. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. All right, join in with me. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Now we kind of get it whenever it says praise the Lord. What's that ye there? What's the ye? Uh, the ye is kind of an old or English way. You know, when we say you, uh, we only have one way to say that, whether it's uh, a big group or whether it's just one person. Whenever I'm talking to Amy, I might say you. Or whenever I'm talking to everybody here, I might say you. Well, the ye is that plural. Uh, in an old English, it kind of dropped out. We don't use it anymore. Well, Hebrew has a distinguishing between a, a plural and a singular. So whenever you say hallelujah, it means praise ye the Lord. It means y'all praise the Lord. And the Bible has a southern accent. <laughs> Y'all praise the Lord. Um, we don't have that in English, but we do here. And the psalmist, as he, he is composing this psalm, he begins it and he ends it with the same phrase. He says, hallelujah. He says, praise ye the Lord. That is his main point. From the beginning to the end, what he says in this text is intended to cause us to praise the Lord. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read our text, and we'll look at what it says. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, his re he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. 
Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, Your Word is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we pray that Your Word would do its work within us. Lord, that Your Word would cause us to praise You. Father, be with me. I am weak, but You are strong. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we begin, He is telling us, He's telling everyone who hears Him, Y'all praise the Lord. But he doesn't end there. The next line says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. He says it outwardly, and then he turns inwardly. He preaches to himself. He says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. He has it there in the singular, and he's talking to his own soul. Praise the Lord. You know, we've got to do that sometimes. We've got to preach to ourselves. When we get discouraged, when we get down, the Word of God can help us. And when we begin to be doubtful, when we start to have questions, the Word of God has all the answers. We need to preach to ourselves like the psalmist does here. Praise the Lord, O my soul. In order for him to be able to speak the Word to others, In order for him to call others to praise the Lord, he has to hear it himself first. Um, We cannot. You know, we're we're, we're planning on having Ken come and do some training in evangelism uh, on on, uh, the 8th, sharing about how to share our faith. You know, we cannot go to others with the message that they need to praise the Lord, that they need to, to... Be thankful to God for what He has done in Jesus Christ unless we ourselves are thankful for that. And what can give us more motivation as we go to tell others about Jesus, about what He has done, than when we are thankful and we praise Him for what He has done in us. We have to have that experience of grace within us before we can tell others about it. You know, evangelism is a lot about what this text is telling us. Praise the Lord. Y'all praise the Lord. What are we doing when we share our faith? When we we evangelize? We are telling others about the Lord. This great God who made heaven and earth, who made the sea and the land and everything in them, who made us, who demands our worship, who we have rebelled against, and who sent His Son to die in our place. When we tell that good news, it ought to cause us to praise Him, but it also, we are telling them, you have sinned, and you need to turn from your sin and praise the Lord for what He has done. The psalmist then says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. And we don't live forever. Any one of us could walk out the door and and be gone before the week is out. Any one of us could be gone before this sermon is over. 
I will praise the Lord as long as I live. We want to be people who, like this psalmist, praise the Lord as long as we live. Every day, every moment, be praising Him. Be thanking Him for who He is and what He has done for us. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. That's a little bit of a distinction here. First he says, as long as I live. And then he says, while I still have my being or while I still exist. You know, our existence lasts longer than this life. We live through this life. We have a beginning when we are conceived within our mothers, when we are born, and we live throughout our lives and we die, but that is not the end. Our existence continues on. Um, with Joshua and, and all of our kids, we have a set of questions and answers that we go through and try to teach them about God, the, the gospel, trying to teach them about the Bible. And we ask Josh, um, what do you have... What, what has God made besides a body? Is that how does it go? Yeah. What else has God given you besides a body? His answer is a soul that can never die. And we all have that. We have a soul that can never die, and our soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. It's between one of two places. We can sing praises to my God as long as I exist, singing praises to Him forever and ever when He returns, being raised up and being worshiping Him forever when we trust in Jesus. But there's two ways. Our soul that will exist forever faces judgment. We all will stand before the judgment and we will account for everything that we've ever done. There is only one way, and that is by praising the Lord. Praising who He is. Praising for what He has done. Verse 3, Put not your trust in princes. First He tells us to praise the Lord, and then He tells us what not to do. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. We could be tempted in our world to look around and, and, and try to put our faith and our trust in politics. We, we can think that our politician, whoever that's going to be, whether it's a local politician, whether it's the President of the United States, will be the one who we can trust in, the one who is going to save America, the one who is going to save the world. But the Bible here tells us, put not our trust in princes. rather, And not in a son of man or a son of Adam, a human being. We're not to trust in a human being because, for one, in whom there is no salvation. There's no salvation from, from the president or the governor or any other politician, any other human being. We cannot trust in our politicians to save us. And that's obvious. Just look at our state. We cannot trust in a human being to save us. There is no salvation in any other than in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, 
when his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Another reason why we are not to trust in a human being, not to trust in princes, not only is there no salvation there, but they're going to die just like we are. One of these days, every, every leader, no matter how high, whether it's the President of the United States, whether it's the King of Saudi Arabia, well, it doesn't matter what, one of these days their breath will depart from them. They'll stop breathing. They'll be put into the ground and they'll rot. You can go and visit a lot of graves from a lot of important people in the past. The one thing they have all in common, they've all rotted. On that day, that very day, his plans perish. They may have had all kinds of good plans, all kinds of things they wanted to do with their lives. All kinds of things that would have made the world a better place. But when they die, their plans all go with them. Verse 5, he now turns, the psalmist turns, he, he told us we are to praise the Lord, he told us what not to do, not to trust in princes, and those two are back to back, we're to praise the Lord and to trust in Him, trust in what He has done for us, and not trust in man, not trust in human beings, not trust even in ourselves. And here in verse 5, he said, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob. We don't need the president. We don't need our politicians to be our help when we have the God of Jacob. One of the things we need to see from this is it does not say whose help is God in general, but it is the God of Jacob. It matters who we worship. It matters who we worship. We don't just worship a, a spirit being out there somewhere. We don't just worship the God of the philosophers. We worship the God who made heaven and earth, who came and became flesh, who died for our sins. That's who we worship. And here, whenever it says, blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob... That is talking about the same God who in history stepped out of heaven and became a man. The God of Jacob, the one who God made a promise to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, that he was going to send someone who he would bless the whole earth through. The one who made a promise to Jacob that in his seed he would bless the nations. The one who made a promise to David who one day he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. The God who we worship is the God of Jacob, of Abraham, of Isaac, of David. He is the God who became a human being, Jesus Christ, lived among us, died for our sins, and rose again. It matters who we worship. The Bible tells us you may say, I believe in God. Well, good. Because James says, so does the devil. The devil believes in God too and trembles. The devil has better theology than we do. But he hates God. He does not praise the Lord as we are called to do. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope 
is in the Lord his God. Who made heaven and earth. This God that we worship, He is the one who made everything. It is not a, 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 a deist kind of conception of God, a God who just set the world in motion and, and let it go at its own. But this is the God of Jacob who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and He keeps faith forever. He keeps His promises. He is always faithful. Those promises that He made, whether it's to Adam and Eve in the garden to send someone who would crush the serpent's head, whether it was to Abraham to bless the world through him, whether it was to Jacob, or whether it was to David, God has kept His promises. He is always faithful. Who executes justice for the oppressed. This is important. We can be discouraged sometimes because we look around at the world and we see so much injustice. People who suffer who we think are relatively good people. People who, who get away with crimes. We see all kinds of injustice and I don't have to go into it all. You know, you've seen it. But what can be our comfort in those times is we remember that this is the God who executes justice for the oppressed. Justice will be served. It may not look like it right now, but He will, in the end, execute perfect justice. He gives food to the hungry. And where do we think about where we get our food? Well, maybe we go to the grocery store. We buy it there. Or maybe we grow it in our gardens, but even if we grow it in our gardens, who makes the rain come and water them? Who makes that seed germinate and for it to grow? Who makes the sun shine on them? All of our food, all of our sustenance comes from the Lord. We may trust in an economic system where we can go to the market and get whatever it is that we need, but the Lord is the one who makes all of those things work. He is the one who gives food to the hungry. And I think of the Sermon on the Mount where he says, blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. That, is our, that ought to be our greatest hunger. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. He gives food to the hungry. And he says, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord sets the prisoners free. We, this description here at the end of verse 7 and through 8 are are the kinds of things that you read about in, uh, in Isaiah that point forward to the coming days of the Messiah. We see Jesus is one who sets the captives free. The Lord is the one who sets prisoners free. You know, we are all born slaves to our sin. We are slaves. You know, we have that thing that we don't want to do. We, we keep doing it, but we don't want to do it. And we just feel trapped by it. But Jesus is the one who sets the captives free. 
Jesus is the one who, when we are chained, like a, 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 a Charles Wesley hymn talks about how we were chained in the dungeon and it filled with light and I rose, went forth and followed thee. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. Jesus is the one who sets the captive free. And then it says, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. You go look through the Old Testament, you don't see very many miracles where a blind person sees. But when you come to the New Testament, that's one of the unique things about Jesus. A man who was born blind, you never find a miracle where a man was born blind and he sees again in the Old Testament. But Jesus does that. And here it says, it's the Lord who opens blind eyes. And that's where we all are. We are all blinded by our sin. We are all blind, and as the song says, I once was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace. Oh, what we can praise the Lord for. He sets the prisoners free. He opens blind eyes. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. How do we receive this gospel? We have to humble ourselves. We have to admit that we're sinners. When we come to Jesus, we come to Him with empty hands. We throw ourselves down at His mercy. We don't come to Jesus and say, look at what I've got. I've got it all together. You're pretty lucky to have me. That's not how we come to Jesus. We come to Him bowed down, throwing ourselves on His mercy. And He is the one who exalts the humble. He is the one who lifts those who are bowed down. And the Lord loves the righteous. That's a good thing. The Lord loves the righteous. That is wonderful. Except when you consider this. Who is righteous? Thanks, Josh. <laughs> no one. The Bible tells us there is none righteous. No, not one. We've all, like sheep, gone astray. We have all gone our own way. But there was one. And that's Jesus. In a sense, this text tells us the Lord loves the righteous. The Lord loves Jesus. So what is the hope for us? Our hope is in Jesus. Because what happens when we trust in Jesus is He clothes us in His righteousness. He takes His righteousness and puts it on us like a cloak. He wraps us in His righteousness. And so that when God looks at us, He no longer sees our sin, but He sees Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. And what happened on the cross? All of our sin and guilt was taken off of us and put on Jesus. The Lord loves the righteous one. Then, verse 9, the Lord watches over the sojourners. Again, this is about us. We are all aliens, sojourners. 
believers, we are not at home in this world. Now, I won't go into all the eschatology behind it, but we are in a very real sense supposed to live like strangers and aliens in this world. Because the world, all those around us, those who are not believers, they run the show. And, and, and we're not supposed to get too attached. We sometimes get so comfortable with this world, we feel like it's our home. We're ambassadors. We're here on a mission to tell those about the Lord, about how He saves. We are supposed to recount the deeds of the Lord so that others turn to Him. But in this world, we are strangers and alien, and the Lord watches over the sojourner. And He upholds the widow and the fatherless. The Lord cares about the little guy. The Lord cares about a widow who no longer has a husband. He cares about her. The Lord upholds them, sustains them. He cares for the fatherless, those who have no father. The Lord cares for them. He can be a father to the fatherless. But then He turns... And again, he reminds us that there are two ways. Earlier, he told us not to trust in princes, but to trust in the Lord, to to praise the Lord. He tells us why to praise the Lord, because he has done so many excellent things. But then he reminds us the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. That's an encouragement. To, to some extent, we can be reminded when we see wickedness, injustice, when we see that and we wonder, why God, how long will this go on under your watch? We are reminded the way of the wicked He brings to ruin. He will frustrate their plans. They may seem successful at this time, but it will all be for nothing. In verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. While the prince that we're told not to trust in, he'll die one day. The Lord is one who reigns forever. His kingdom has no end. And let's think also about the promise he made to David of a a son who would sit on his throne of a kingdom that would never end. The only one who fulfills that is Jesus. Whenever it says the Lord will reign forever, again, I think we see here Jesus will be on the throne forever and ever. And as Amy read about in Revelation, we will be singing hallelujah to Jesus one day in heaven. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Generation to generation to generation. This is not just for us, but this is something we pass on to those who come after us. You know, uh, you've heard, you may have heard it said before that Christianity is always one generation from from being extinct. You know, um, 
There's truth in that, yet there's not. On the one hand, the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. It's going to keep on going. Jesus will not give up on His church. He is the one who provides all the growth. But on the other hand, we have a message to pass on to the next generation. We have a a message to pass on. It doesn't work when we just get in our holy huddle and never see anybody outside of the church. We have to pass this message on to tell others, to tell the nations, to tell others in our community, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, um, one of the books that I've really benefited from in my life is a book called um, Let the Nations Be Glad. It's a book about missions. And in that book, the author argues, missions exist because worship doesn't. Get your brain wrapped around that a little bit. Basically, God is good. God is glorious. He deserves all worship and all praise. There are people out there who do not recognize Him for who He is, who do not worship Him. So missions is the task of taking the news of this great and powerful God to them so that they will in turn turn forth in praise. That is our mission. Our mission is to go and tell and say, praise the Lord. Not just, not just as an expression, well, praise the Lord, but as something that we mean, praise the Lord. Y'all, praise the Lord. He is good. He made the world and everything in it. He made heaven and earth. He made the stars. He made the land. He made everything. He provides for us. He cares for the little guy. He cares for widows. He cares for orphans. He will never let injustice go undone, but He will make sure that justice is done in the end. Isn't that something that makes you want to praise Him? I hope that we get the message of this text. His main point is this. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at redeemerbaptistpanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.